0: Hi there, my name is Dr. Pragenta and I'm the host of the Dr. Nurse Podcast. I'm an advanced nurse practitioner, and I wanna be your guide into the world of nursing professions. This podcast is a platform for nurses to share their journeys as they made their way in the diverse field of nursing as either entrepreneurs, academia, private practice, or even the corporate world. I think we should celebrate just how diverse the field of nursing is through mentoring one another with the stories of our career journeys nothing is too mundane because each journey is unique. This podcast will showcase career options to encourage nurses to view their degrees with a business mindset. After all, we work in the healthcare business and ultimately I hope I might inspire you to make a change if you're looking for something different. I am motivated to see you live your best nursing life and that looks different for everyone. Thanks for joining me on today's podcast and let's get started with today's guest. Hi guys, welcome to the Dr. Nurse Podcast. I'm so excited today to have on my show, the amazing Katie Harris. She is a PhD, MBA, RN, and I also believe you are an ARMP. You are the owner of a business called Nursepreneurs. She is a business mentor, a nurse business mentor, an online educator, and an author. Hailing from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. After spending years of time and money on coaching to get her job and her nursing expertise up to a level that she felt like she could market it, she decided after the birth of her son to start teaching other nurses how to create businesses for themselves by leveraging what her failures were, but also what her successes were so that other nurses could get to the things that they wanted out of their careers faster. Katie, thank you for coming on today. Thank you for chatting. Let's dive right in. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. So the first question for today is tell me
1: exactly what it is you do. What's your job title these days? I call myself owner and CEO of Nursepreneurs. And basically that's the business that I started back in in 2016. And so I mean, my job right now, for for year, for several years, I was a solopreneur. So my job was everything that had to be done. In the last couple of years, we've started to hire on a team. And I still find myself doing a little bit of everything, much to my team's dismay. Like, like, go do something else. Leave us alone. I still wear a lot of hats. And I wear a lot of the the top management type hats in the business as we grow. My role is to kind of just have the vision for nursepreneurs make sure that we're on track and doing what it is that we want to do for nurses, which is to empower them and and help them, inspire them to take the next step uh, in their careers or start a business if if that's what they want to do. So, Interesting. Katie, how did you get
0: to this specific spot in your career? Kind of take me through your journey from the moment you decided to be a nurse to the moment that you said, I'm going to go teach nurses how to build businesses. Take me through that process.
1: Not a lot of people ever ask me about why I wanted to be a nurse. And that it's kind of like off the topic. But I'll just tell you briefly, I had a dream. And I woke up and I said, I'm going to be a nurse. And my mom was like, that's ridiculous. They did not want me to be a nurse. My dad wanted me to be an actuarial scientist. And I, I didn't even know what that was until like a couple of years ago. Come to find out it's like that the statisticians like banging out numbers all the time. Like that would have been the worst career ever, but all he wanted was to make sure that I had lots of money so I'd be secure and that kind of stuff. And they didn't yeah. see dollar signs in the nursing career, but I was persistent and nothing would derail me from this plan. So I went into nursing and I, I loved it for the first couple of years. It was a lot of fun. I mean, I, grew up in nursing in the late 90s, early 2000s, and back then we had a lot of freedom. And this is mm. something that I really understand about myself at this point is that I enjoy freedom and the ability to do what I want. And back then, like we would write verbal orders for everything. Like when the patient came in, I wrote all the orders verbally, of course, so it was legal. During the course of the hospital stay, I wrote all the orders with, with, with verbal orders, and then I did all the discharge. I rounded it with the attendings. That's just what we did. And then they started to crack down on that in the hospital and said, you can't yeah. just verbal order the whole stay of the patient, (laughs) right or wrong, but it it put a constraint on me. So I ended up going back for my nurse practitioner degree. And I'd worked for neurosurgery all these years. So when I finished the nurse practitioner degree, I was doing legally what, you know, I I seemed to be doing previous to that. Um, I, I really loved that. Position as well. And I worked with the the neurosurgeons. I grew up with the neurosurgeons from like intern to PGY two, three, all the way through six or seven, whatever they go to. Yeah. And uh, you know, wanted to, I didn't want to be a doctor, but I wanted them to respect me by pulling my weight. So I thought I had to work as hard and as often as they did. I would show up at five in the morning to get my rounds done and have the entire unit in place by like 8am. And then Right. But then I would stay until like six or seven o'clock signing out with them as well. So putting in all these hours, but over the years, it starts to to wane on you and the residents start moving on and and you're kind of still in the same spot. It, It got to one point, five or six years into it that the PGY2 that I learned with, we went up the ladder together, but then he graduated and became the director of some cerebrovascular stroke center. And I had to go back to signing in and out with the intern. And I'm like, you're constantly having to prove yourself because they yeah. work constantly. And you're just like, wait, what What just happened here? He got to advance. He put his 80, 100 hours a week in and he advanced. And I put 80 to 100 hours in and somehow I got demoted. So that's just yeah. It's right. like Groundhog Day for your career. I mean, you noticed that, right? That's what
0: I noticed as, as well, working in surgery. And I again, like your background is so cool because I connected with that and I said, She's right. I work with urologists and I've watched them go from their PGY2 and now they're chiefs and they walk in and I'm like, I remember when you couldn't do a system. like, And now they're chiefs and now they leave and they go and make these incredible salaries and have these incredible careers and these positions of leadership. And yet you still kind of stay in that same spot. I totally connect with you on that because it's, It is something that I think, I don't know how we remedy it, but I don't necessarily think it's where nurses need to spend. At least for me, I looked and thought, this is not a good use of my time overall. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely not. I can one better you on that because like the role of the nurse practitioner, like I had free reign in the beginning like the residents were just like oh my gosh just help me and i i love that and that was part of the fire under me it's like i controlled that unit it was mine i did what i want i kicked physicians out of that unit people were afraid of me (laughs) type but then they started bringing in these neurointensivists, and it's they started again it was like that whole scenario again where they started clamping down clamping down clamping down to the point that my role literally was to collect information and then we would all round as a team. I felt like my job was to put in orders as we walked around and laugh at the physician's jokes, just to make him feel good. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like this, I hate, 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 this. I'm as medical scribe is what I was. And he actually, one of the attendings yelled at me because I had extubated a patient. I've been there for 20 years. I know when somebody can be extubated. They had gone down for a procedure, came back an hour later needed to be extubated so i extubated and he came in and he was like purple he's like who are you to i'm like what do you mean who am i to i i'm the nurse practitioner that's what i do i i make sure the patients are safe and then they're ready to be extubated i extubate them and i was like "I, i just can't deal with this anymore it's it's too much and so take me from
0: the moment that you decide at your job i i'm burned out i i'm never gonna get the respect i deserve where did you go from there
1: I realized that a long time ago. So around 2008, 2009, I had a a huge fight with my attending. And this is the the pinnacle of my nurse practitioner career where I was running everything with an iron fist. I got into the fight with this neurosurgeon and ironically, this guy was, he was a total jerk. I don't know if this is a PG show or not. So no, no, you're about. good. No, you're good. <laughs> but anyway, this is the type of surgeon that would like harass the residents, throw phones around the unit, choke them, and just physical abuse, just all kinds of mental abuse, whatever. And so I got into a fight with them and told him he was an idiot. And he ran off to the chairman and the chair, they suspended me for like three days. And I was like, Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I was like devastated. I was devastated. I'm like, the unit's yeah. going to fall apart. And in my imagination, this is the whole unit's falling apart. I had to go to anger management classes on top of it, which is really <laughs> funny, but because anybody that knows me knows that my boiling point is like 3000 degrees and it's just so hard to get me mad. Yeah. Um, but I came back and nobody had even noticed that I was gone. And uh, nobody oh. said, where were you? What have you been doing? The unit fell apart there was none of that. And it. that's when, the reality of it kind of crashed down on me and it took me a while. I had to grieve that moment because I thought it was so much more important than I was. And I was, it started to question things like, why am I spending 80 hours here? Why, why have I not taken a vacation in three years? Like all that kind of stuff. At that point, from then on, I was looking for an out without realizing that a business would be it. Okay, I have one thing to
0: say about what you just said. You said you came back and you realized that they didn't miss you and that you were angry. I don't think that you were angry at probably that person. It's probably been this buildup of all these little micro issues that then it's like, you're right, your bowling point was reached in that one situation, but it had been boiling for yes. years. That was my thought. Um, because I know that feeling, I understand I can connect to what you're saying, as you kind of watch the injustice of things all around you. And you're like, okay, take it, absorb it, take it, absorb it. And then you're just like, enough, like, I can't do this anymore. Unfortunately, so many nurses are at that point. So many nurses can connect to that because we as nurses, we just absorb, We have we're in a situation we don't like and we adjust to the situation. And eventually you get to the point where you're like, square peg, round hole. Thank you for sharing that. So from from that moment that you decided it's time to go into business, I, I believe when I was looking at your journey, you spent some time in corporate America working
1: for Walmart. I did. And just to kind of piggyback off what you just said, though, that has been my modus operandus all along. Is just a take it push it down that worked in my 20s and 30s uh, <laughs> it just not work anymore just i can't push it down it's like oh. and that's been part of my journey in business is just resolving all the stuff that i pushed down over the last 20 30 years that i got it actually back to you know childhood or whatever that has been absolute the journey and we can talk about that in a bit but so i i was very fortunate i guess so To take you from that point, I I knew I had to get out. One of my um, chief residents that I had been really good friends with over the years had just graduated and he was moving down to Atlantic City, which is just an hour away. And he was going by himself and his he was tasked with having to open an entire cerebrovascular stroke center single-handedly as a new grad <laughs> and i was like that, that, that's just the type of environment we work in and so i was like well i'll go down to to atlantic city with you so i went down with him and that's where i learned all these other skill sets and i had my freedom again which was huge but then i had my son and i'm a, a single mom by choice so my son was sperm donation so it was all very planned and so i had my son in 2012 And again, that's when I realized I just can't do this because I was on call 24 7, basically seven days a week with him trying to put this thing together. I had also graduated with my PhD in 2011, and I thought, well, let me just get an academic position. So that's what I did. I applied for it, I got accepted as an assistant professor. In the nurse practitioner program at that college and i'm like i i, I have to quit like I, I can't do 80 hours a week i can't do yeah. on all with a newborn so I, I went to academics and in academics oh my gosh i remember my first day i walked in now i'm used to like running around the hospital like a chicken with its head cut off come into the to the academic setting i sit down and i'm staring around <laughs> and i'm like what in the world am I supposed to do? If <laughs> you know, I have like one meeting on my, my calendar for the whole week, I'm like, o-kay. the, are they actually paying me for this? Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Is this a joke? What? Is this a joke? I was actually very productive that year because I really didn't have all that much to do. I wrote a lot of articles. So I started investigating all kinds of different stuff that I could do. That's where the, the basis of my business came from out of pure boredom in that wow. job. What was your research? If you don't mind, if you can just like sum it up, I really enjoy
0: elements of research. It's a lot of work to do research. People need more respect for that work.
1: Well, I'm very project based. I went into like, I was very interested in nurse practitioner fellowships and my, I had written literally the book for neurosurgery for new nurse practitioners because we would bring people in and they'd be gone three months later because there was no, everything was implicit. All the knowledge was implicit. Took it upon myself to write the manual, (laughs) which is funny because the the intern uh, one day was like, well, we don't do stuff like that around here. I'm like, look, jerk, I wrote the manual of what we do. (laughs) I wanted to expand that to create a nurse practitioner fellowship program for nurse practitioners, obviously, in neurosurgery or neurocritical care, because it's such a steep learning curve. Mm -hmm. And I felt like we could better onboard them through some sort of like step-by-step process. And so that was your research. So that was the project that I spent the most time on, built it out, got neuro- neurosurgery, was all on board with it until it, it came time to pay for it. And then they're like, well, we can't, you know, where are you going to get the money for that? I'm like, <laughs> but anyway, they they, they actually took the, the whole project from me, which was another one of my last straws. So they're like, okay, we'll take this now. And I'm like, wait a minute. I had the whole project basically stolen from me. It really just, it was another one of those how many times are you going to make this mistake? But about that time, um, Walmart was starting their nurse practitioner clinics down South and they needed a a senior manager to recruit nurse practitioners into the clinics. A a friend of mine was friends with the recruiter who was looking for the nurse practitioner to do it. And she said, well, Katie's the, the director of the acute care nurse practitioner program. Maybe she can help you. So they called me and they're like, do you have anybody that would want this position? And I was like, me. <laughs> <That position. laughs> uh, so it, yeah. it, it dropped in my lap. I did that for a couple of years and, and it was fine. It was interesting. But, and that's where I met a whole bunch of nurses that were doing amazing things all over the world that inspired the podcast, but they let us all go like a couple years into it. And I thought, well, now what? I, I mean, when's the next time something's going to fall in my lap? Wait, and- so Walmart just let you guys all go they just laid you off that's I guess that's how they do it in corporate we would have it seemed like every month or every couple months we'd have a big meeting and they'd say oh we just let the chief nurse practitioner officer go and I'm like well that's not good (laughs) wow so what what was their reason were
0: they just shutting down the program or just felt like it
1: no they so they were they had these big plans to expand they, they had 18 clinics when I started already and our job was to staff them and make sure they stayed staffed, which we did a very good job of. But there was so it was so top heavy with senior managers and all these people. I mean, it was a massive, massive project, and they had zero dollars for marketing, which blows my mind. So they were dependent on walk through traffic coming through, and they weren't getting walk through traffic, so they never had the money to like do more stores. So then I guess they had the brilliant idea of why don't you just make the market directors find their own nurse practitioners, which seems like. And that's to, the, to this day, as far as I know, there's still only 18 clinics down there. Huh. They didn't really get it expanded very much. No. So it was 2013. So it was a long time ago. It's about 10 years. Yeah. Ago.
0: When did you, in this whole process from
1: your PhD, when did you
0: obtain your MBA?
1: Oh, I did that long, long time ago. 2000. Okay. I started in 1999. I finished in 2002. You became a nurse in 96.
0: 96, and then you went directly into the MBA.
1: I did. I had, I wanted to be, I, I liked the nurse practitioner idea. And I, when I first graduated, I moved down to South Texas and I was down there for a couple of years and I was working in Houston. And that's when I was exposed to PA. I, kn- I had no idea what a, a physician's assistant was, but they yeah. did all the Ventrics, they did all the lines in the ICU. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. So I looked into the nurse practitioner role, but I didn't like. The curriculum for some, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm like, well, let me do my MBA and fulfill my dad's dreams or some wonky thing like that. I tend to be delusional sometimes, but I'm like, well, I'll have this amazing career in in the corporate world and and blah, blah, blah. And by the time I graduated, I was already making like $50, $55 an hour as a nurse. I was an agency nurse working in a neuro unit. And I'd been there for so long that I actually oriented the new staff that came in because I couldn't keep any staff. But I got to name my own days, my own times. So I would take three months off at a time and, and travel. So it was great. I loved it.
0: So it was like no real incentive to go into the corporate world when you were having such success at being a nurse.
1: Because I'd have to start over at, at square one and I would yeah. make a fraction of what I was making as a nurse. Yeah, yeah. Granted, it's an investment, I suppose, but I wasn't willing to do it. So you just tuck that away. And then that just opened up other
0: doors as you picked up the master's. You have two postmasters as well. You have a postmasters. An
1: acute.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm all three.
0: Yep. And then the PhD on top of it all. So incredible journey from that point at Walmart. Take me through till you got your own business. How did you get there?
1: So part of my role at Walmart, like I said, was to recruit nurse practitioners. So I went to the head of AANP and I actually ended up in, it's called the Global Nurses Leaders Institute. And it was held out of Geneva, Switzerland. So I went there and met nurses from all over the world. And they were amazing. And How I just, was that. It was great. They took people from Africa and Australia and New Zealand and China and, and nurses. And they brought us all to, and that's where I met Diana Mason. And Diana Mason uh, does talk radio and and all these things. And I'm like, I didn't know you could just become a talk radio hosts like it, it so these things it was like I was living in a bubble and yes the bubble popped as I started hearing other people's stories and I thought well why can't I do these things we went to the WHO and at the WHO there's a nurse there who is a nurse consultant I'm like why don't I have that well that's really cool I want to live in Geneva <laughs> <laughs> I love Geneva um, I started asking all these questions and when I came back from this experience I was just blown away and that I just wanted to find more nurses that were doing stuff like this because my conception of what I could do as a nurse and a nurse practitioner was completely limited to the hospital. And now it was like anything is possible. And that just kind of opened the ideas up.
0: And then how did you get your first client? What was the day that you decided to set up shop for
1: nursepreneurs and just take it by storm? I had decided to put together uh, a business course. So I had put together a couple businesses before that one was called coordinated care. And I was doing transitional care for stroke patients, which evolved into concierge nursing. And I did that with a partner and we had, We took care of plastic surgery patients after the um, operating room. And then I was helping other students. I would host, uh, not parties, but kind of masterminds at my house and and talk to nurses that were doing stuff. And one nurse was doing IV hydration. Another nurse was doing NCLEX reviews. Another nurse was doing Medicare navigation and all these different ideas. And so we would talk about them and stuff and I would help them. And it kept coming back to me. You should help nurses to do this. Put the the step-by-step business together. That was kind of the formation of it but I really dragged my feet with this and I'm like, okay, well, I need to learn more. Uh, It's always a, (laughs) because of death, I got to learn like so much. So I spent all 2016 learning as much as I could putting, I decided to put together a webinar sales funnel and I spent a good six months putting that stupid webinar together and procrastinated, procrastinated, finally decided that I couldn't tweak it anymore. And I launched it in January of 2017 and by this point, I would put in like, I would say thirty dollars or $40,000 into wow. my education in this level. <laughs> and I, did, I got four sales once I did that webinar. I had like 300 people sign up for it. And then I got four sales. So I was I was devastated. I was like, this oh. is horrible. It was a 597 program. So I spent $40,000 to make $2,000. But when I went to my coach, she was like, if you look at these numbers, you're statistically on par. You're where you need to be. I know you're devastated because you only had four sales, but you had four sales. <laughs> it's four people that trusted in you and you have to yeah. start there and you have to like make sure they do well and just build up other people's confidence that you can help them. And the way to do that is through testimony. And that's what you've done. I mean, so many of your students I've spoken with that I've had the
0: pleasure of seeing how you've helped them in their businesses are generating success, are finding that they can market themselves. They can close those gaps and find people that want to trust them. And, and just um, recently I, I had Eric Mayer on um, a psychedelic plant nurse. And, and he said the day that somebody signed up for one of his courses and he realized that he could teach and that he could have work outside of the man. It was such an incredible experience for him and you are doing that for people. It is it is something that you are successful at and so it is incredibly inspiring. I really connect to what you're saying about when you meet all these incredible nurses you're just like I want to do that. I want to do that. Like you do see that whenever I've been doing this podcast and you meet these nurses that are doing things that you're just like, I did not know that this world was out there. And it really is limited just to whatever you can think about in your mind. Whatever you open your mind to, that nursing degree can take you someplace within your imagination. It can take you there. It's just like this golden ticket that I feel like more nurses need to know that you get that you get that nursing degree and you have a golden ticket to whatever you want to make up and just go for it um, as long as the market's there and, and the business aspect you really understand. Throughout your journey can you just can you describe to my listeners maybe one of the biggest successes or, or, or times that you felt like this was a really big win for my career?
1: Honestly I, I think that moment as I remember it being devastating, but that was kind of a turning point for me. You know, I had done a couple more webinars after that and generated some more income. And then I stopped around, it was February, March, maybe I did three total. And then I was in this group with Kevin Rogers. And Kevin Rogers is a, a freelance copywriter and I, he used to be a stand up comedian, but he's hilar- he's hilarious, but he's so amazing. So I was in one of his coaching programs and it was about September. And I said, well, I want to generate more income. I don't really know how and stuff. And he's like, well, what have you done in the past? And I told him about the webinar and he's like, okay, let me get this straight. The only thing that's generated money is a webinar. So you stop doing it. And I said, well, when you say it out loud, it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so he's like, well, why don't you go back to webinars? And I thought, okay, well, I, I really probably didn't need to pay somebody to give me that advice, but <laughs> he was so right, and I just needed to hear it. And so I, I went back to webinars, and they, they continued to, to generate income for the business, and then I took it to the next level in pairing with these nurses uh, that have their own businesses, because that was the one thing that I had this Facebook group at the same time. That was another thing that came out of one of my coaching sessions is that you should start a Facebook group. I'm like, okay, but what if nobody shows up? And you had all these kind of childhood fears of hosting a party that nobody comes to. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) But pretty quickly people joined and it was very interactive and stuff. And and the people in that group kept saying, does somebody know somebody that does IV hydration? Does somebody know that somebody that does LNC? I don't know how to do any of these things. So I started looking for nurses that did, that had a successful business that they could uh, teach and that they could teach the students. That's where the business really took off was building those partnerships. Wow.
0: Building partnerships with nurses. Not, yes. not embracing a scarcity mindset of mine, mine, no, you can't help me. But what I've, and I've heard on another podcast that you were on was when you finally joined in partnerships with nurses, you really became successful. You really were able to get the ball rolling as far as your business and the the thing that you wanted to create. And I thought that was so powerful and such a reminder that. We are not in competition against one another, that there's enough pie for everyone to eat and to be full. We do not need to be panicked that we are in competition with one another. And in fact, if we unite with one another, we will be a super powerful force for good, for our patients, for ourselves. Tell me about a challenge that you experienced in your career that you
1: felt like, man, this was something I really had to overcome. My career, I've always, or throughout my adult life, probably even childhood, always would take in and push down and just deal with it. I would have like these imaginary conversations with people, resolve the issue and say, okay, I'm going to move on. Uh, I'm going to let this go. But it still gets cemented down. All that stuff comes out when you start a business. So when I first started the business, my coach was like, why are there no pictures of you on on the website? And I was like, well, let's huh. just don't do that. And uh, she's like, okay, well, here's a bunch of nurse websites where they all have pictures of themselves on the website. And she's like, people want to get to know you because my instinct was, let me put up this corporate-y look-like type business so that people think it's legitimate and professional as opposed to me working out of my basement. Interesting. So I had to overcome that. Another obstacle, again, was I did start out in the fear base, like mine, 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 mine. And I would get angry if I saw another person that was doing something similar to me. And then I thought, well, I, I need to deal with this. Like, what is the problem? <laughs> like, why can't other people have the same business? Of course, they're going to have the same business. Like, that's just yeah. that's just life. Like, there's going to be stuff that's out there. And even now with my some of my course directors, we've had course material stolen and repurposed. And I was like, well, not to dismiss it, like this is a huge problem and and we have legal stuff in place, but it happens and you can't just sell information. Information is everywhere. That can't be the basis of our programs. So if somebody does that, shame on them karma will get them eventually. A hundred (laughs) percent. Yeah.
0: That's what I was going to say. It's so interesting to even voice it and say it out loud because you do, you do feel that way. The feelings are still there. It's the constant reminder that I'm just doing this for me, that there is something bigger than me that's controlling that whole thing. And that will come back. And so I'm not going to spend energy getting angry about that or investing myself in that because it's like, If that's where they are, like, that's really sad, but also imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. So thank you. And I'm going to just keep moving on (laughs) and not let it bother me because you (laughs) like what I'm doing. Bye. Thank you for sharing that. And I think it's really true. So, and and you mentioned one mentor earlier, I I can't recall her name, but you said one lady was really big at helping you. And I know you've had a ton of coaches and mentors. So maybe for this question, I'm going to reword it a little bit and say, what is the difference between a coach and a mentor from your perspective?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I, a coach I see kind of as someone that's helping you to almost like a cheerleader for you or a feedback mechanism. So if I talk to my coach, typically I just tell them what's going on and they help me kind of work through what what's going on. Whereas a mentor is giving me specific instructions like hey, if you want to be a multi seven level figure business, this is what you have to you need to go out and get an operations person, hire that person, and let's get this done now. So they're giving me more strategy, whereas the coach is giving more support. um, Got it. They can certainly cross over and that those lines get blurred. But that's how I would differentiate them.
0: Yeah. And, And have you had mentors that you
1: felt like anybody that really stuck out that was huge in your life. I've had tons of, of coaches and, and mentors over the years. Right now I'm working with Perry Marshall and I've been with him for years. Love, love, love his stuff. I just really identify with him. And ironically, I, I met him back in 2017 when there was a the solar eclipse. So he was from like Firth, Nebraska. And he sent this newsletter out one day and he said, let's, I, I want to go uh, see the eclipse because it was going to go through the path of Nebraska And we're going to camp out in a cornfield who wants to come (laughs) and we'll do some marketing. And I I felt like weirdly compelled. I read that and I, my son was three or four at the time. Yeah. uh, Four. I, and I said, all right, I bought tickets that afternoon and we went to Firth, Nebraska to watch the solar eclipse. And that meeting changed my life in so many ways. Interesting. It, was, it was amazing is it just the 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 topics or just like the whole environment like
0: being in the eclipse and your son being there and everything
1: the environment the to- they didn't talk about anything marketing and for years i was very just kind of like ambiguous so i don't want to say atheist but i was always just so like indifferent let's say to that whole aspect and that sent me on a whole nother path of just a spiritual journey and a journey that really helped my my business because we actually didn't really talk anything about marketing we talked all about kind of like bigger purpose which I I never would have gone if I had thought it was going to be that so it's almost kind of anti that stuff but it changed but it
0: opened you up to that
1: Interesting.
0: I wonder if there's an element of that that actually is kind of in line with business is understanding the spiritual aspect of what's going on with you and attracting those things to you, even though you're not necessarily with marketing, it feels very intentional, right? But with that, it feels like a little less you a little less you and a little more like stepping back and letting things work outside of you and realizing sometimes, you don't have to strong arm something, right? It can just happen naturally. Right? Um,
1: I'm really just kind know. of tapping into allowing things to come to me. Uh, and they're really, really big. Perry's really big on that is just space in the morning, even if it's like 20 minutes, but up to an hour. And it doesn't have to be meditation, but just set and listen, let the noise go out and let yeah. the idea come in. And it, yes. it's so important. Oh, I agree.
0: Oh my gosh. That's so cool. All right. What advice would you have for a new nurse starting off in a career? She just got her diploma. She's sitting out after graduation. Everyone's kissing her. Congratulations. And she's internally panicking and wondering, what am I going to do? What do I wish some nurse would have told me she would have known looking back at herself?
1: I, I love this space, the entrepreneurial space. I know it's not for everybody, but it's something to explore. And that's one of the things that I want uh, nursepreneurs to do is to offer kind of a, a different specialty for nurses to go into, kind of like, oh, or ICU, entrepreneurialism. So something along those lines is just another opportunity to consider. So just really exploring the opportunities. We're partnering with more and more nurses to bring more business opportunities to them. And just keep an open mind of what you could do. Don't put limits on, on yourself or say nurses don't do that, which is <laughs> what I said. <laughs> and it's not true. Nurses do everything. There's, it would be harder to come up a career that didn't mesh with oh. nursing than to <laughs> list all the things that you could do with nursing. So
0: Yes, 100% agree. So the last part, Dr. Harris, of our interview is the rapid fire questions, 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 questions. Uh-huh. And these you can't prepare for. They're just fly by the seat of the pants. Are you ready? I think so. <laughs> okay. When you're not working, how do you like to spend your time? Reading books. Ooh. <laughs> and
1: drinking wine. And drinking wine. And so what are you currently reading? I'm actually reading Story Worthy by Matthew Dix. And it is fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. How to wrap story to teach people. Ah, is it kind of reminds me of the guy's story brand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's who the, Actually, I, I just finished his book called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. I read that right before Storyworthy. and and he had me in tears like throughout that. It was so touching. It was the use of story to explain certain ideas. Absolutely wonderful book. When I read that book, and this is kind of a side note just between you and I, I felt like, um, it helped me feel like
0: what I was doing with my podcast, like the 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 telling of the story, tell me your story, tell me your journey. It did make me feel like that's what I want. Like he kind of helped make me feel like that was what I was wanting to make or like build. Like he inspired me a lot when I read his book. I was like, that that's what I want to do. I want to tell stories. I want to tell people's stories and let it inspire them. Because I think it is inspiring when you hear things and you just share things about your life and people are like, wow, if she can do it. And she sounds like a normal person that I can connect to. I can do it. And so I think it's really beautiful. And then the last question is, have you ever been to a concert, Katie? And which one was it? What was your
1: first concert you attended? I think it was probably Brian Adams. <gasps> Brian Adams, country music. Not what, he's, Was he country? Brian um, I got my first real six string. Oh, oh no, he's no, a- no. He's not country. I'm thinking of a uh, Luke, Luke, my fingers <laughs> was the summer of 60, right? That's what I yeah,
0: that's him. Oh, okay. Okay, yes. <laughs> wow, that was your first concert.
1: I th- it may have been one of my, my first, con- maybe might have been a Billy Joel concert. I don't remember. I didn't go to many concerts as a, a child, I was always kind of weird and, and didn't do those kind of things. But those are the two that I remember.
0: Really cool thank you for sharing. Thank you for coming on to the podcast today and just being so open and vulnerable and, and talking about what you've done with your career. It's incredible. And again, like I said, I'm a huge fan. So keep it up, Dr. Katie Harris.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much.
0: We are at the end of our time together. I really enjoyed the chat. Please be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode and leave us a review if you like the show. I would love to get five stars. The Dr. Nurse podcast is on Instagram. So please follow us there for any updates on new podcasts and inspirational information to help you on your own journey. You can always message me at the Dr. Nurse podcast at gmail.com with any career information or professions that you're interested in hearing about. And as always, thanks for listening. I want to thank my biggest fan supporter on Patreon, Kevin Pryor, for your support of this podcast. If you love this podcast and want to throw some support my way, I would greatly appreciate it. My link is in the show notes. And just a reminder, the information in this podcast is for educational purposes only, and the information should not be used in substitute for professional care by a medical provider. The information in this podcast does not represent medical or other professional advice or services.